Two is better than one. Hello, and welcome to the Grace of Giving podcast. We're your hosts, James Riley and Grace Brasniewski. Thank you all for joining us today. We have a very special episode lined up for you here on the Grace of Giving. We're trying out something we've never done before. That's right. Today, we're actually joined by two guests, which is a first for us. Also a first for us. Our guests are married to each other. (laughs) That's right. We're keeping it in the Notre Dame family today, literally. Please join us in welcoming our guests, Program Director in University Events and Enterprises, Jennifer McGuire, and Advisor to the Vice President, Gavin McGuire. Welcome, guys. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? Uh, we're, we're doing quite well. We're having a, a great time with this podcast, and we're so excited today because we have uh, a husband and wife duo, first time ever, so hopefully the nerves are calm, and we're just going to have a, <laughs> a great time today. So just tell us a little well, bit about... Oh, we're excited ahead. to be on the show. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks um, for making time. No problem. I know both of you are busy uh, within the develop, de- development and university events and enterprises, so... Just finding a little, you know, half an hour window make, makes our day. Uh, so thinking about both of you, tell us a little bit about your childhoods and, you know, where did you grow up and all that good stuff? Well, um, I'm from Ireland and uh, a very small little place in Ireland called Drumconroth. And uh, oftentimes, and how I describe where I'm from, it depends on who I'm talking to. So if you're from Ireland, I'll say, you know, I'm from a small little place called Drumconroth. It's near this town of Carrick and Cross. If you're not from Ireland, I'll typically say, you know, I live in a small little village about an hour northwest of Dublin. Because, you know, most people have at least heard of Dublin or been Mm -hmm. to, you know, a lot of people in the Notre Dame family have been to Ireland, given the obvious ties with the country. So, yeah, you know, small rural part of Ireland. uh, If we're in Ireland and someone, an Irish person asks Gavin where he's from, uh like if we're in a pub, they'll assume that he's a Yank. So (laughs) they're like, no, you're from America. And he's like, no, I was born down the road. No, 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 you're from America. (laughs) What part of the States are you from? (laughs) Why is that? Just because Gavin's lost. Yeah, he's lost a little bit of his accent. Mm. Quite quite a bit of the accent. Oh, that's uh, crazy. I, uh, to me, you sound like you have an Irish accent. I don't even hear it anymore, except for wow. when he's spelling. It's very confusing when he's spelling. Well, you know, I can't say the word garage. I have to say garage. And I can't say aluminum. I have to say aluminum. But there's there's a lot of Americanisms I've picked up in, in the way I talk. And, you know, it's that's just part of, I think doing business in, in a country like America, you have to use the vernacular. You have to speak hmm. the way people would speak to you. There's no point in me busting out Irish slang, which people are just going to give me bemused looks. <laughs> I remember one time I said to Chris Montague, she, she asked how I was doing or something some morning early in my career. Uh, and I said, no bother on me. And, and she was like, what? And I said, there's no bother on me. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm fine. I had all the crack last night. What? <laughs> so, yeah. I know. So, just to wrap up this, the, the story about where I'm from, you know, small little village uh, has the bare essentials in the, in the village, a church, mm. uh, school. Three pubs. Three pubs. <laughs> mm, okay. Bare essentials, you know, bare essentials. 
you know, but a great, a great childhood. Um, I'm the oldest of three kids. Um, mom and dad both worked when I was growing up. Nothing crazy about my childhood. Uh, just, uh, you know, kind of typical Irish upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, immersed in lots of music and drinking and that type of Irish culture that's prevalent everywhere. Sure. We curse a lot, but that's just part of our poetic musical background in Ireland. So if I lapse into an expletive or two, please, you know, censor that after the fact, James. Uh, yeah, I, hear you. I suppose in, in Ireland, they pronounce Guinness, Guinness. They, they do pronounce Guinness, Guinness. Okay. Or cool. give us a pint of plain or a pint of the black stuff or ah. pint of stout. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Nice. Because there's only really, well, I mean, there's different variants of porter and stout beers in Ireland, but it, mm. typically in your average pub, that's a small little pub in the countryside, you say a pint of stout, it's going to be Guinness. You're not going to get any other variant. So, The more you know. That's right. Hey, <laughs> all good. What about you, Jennifer, growing up? I'm a townie. Come so. on. Come on. Pride. <laughs> South Bend. Uh, went to Adams High School. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so Eastside Pride, we're the Adams <laughs> Eagles. Um, so I came from a very large family. I have five brothers and one sister. Um, the Irish, the typical Irish Catholic family of Timmy, Danny, Mikey, Patty, Coley, Katie. That's <laughs> wow. all row by age. So yeah, I grew up down the street. I actually grew up going to Notre Dame, as in I went to Sunday school. I went to the crypt um, my entire childhood and mm-hmm. uh, Sunday school. It was first... Gosh, I think it's an OIT. It's some type of IT building over by Burke Golf Course, and then it's morphed to different locations to um, the Pear Center over on the lake. So, but yeah, um, so Notre Dame has definitely been a part of our life. My dad went to Notre Dame. My brother, my uncles, and my grandfather. Everybody wow. felt like to Notre Dame, and I did not. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's just it's so great to come back here. And to be part of the Notre Dame family, it's just like an amazing cycle of life there. So That's great. <laughs> well, so obviously you guys grew up in very different locations. Um, how did you two meet? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's an incredibly long story, so we'll try and make it brief. But in a previous, it feels like a previous life at this point, but in a previous career, I I was a professional musician and I had been on tour in America for about a little over a year at the point when I met Jennifer, which would have been uh, November, 2007. We were, we had played in South Bend a little bit prior to that, but we were playing at a a venue in town called Cheers. It's in Roseland, you know, venue maybe is a little uh, generous, a a term for the place, but uh, a dive bar in Roseland. And that's the type of, uh, you know, venues and, clubs that my band kind of frequented and, and uh, performed at. So we played there and Jennifer's fa- Jennifer's brother-in-law and Jennifer's sister were running that bar at the time. And, you know, I didn't know them really beyond the fact that they were the bookers and the proprietors of, of the venue. But uh, it was just before Thanksgiving in 2007 and we played the show and I guess Jennifer and her family all came down to support both their sister and brother-in-law and the fact that there was this band from Ireland and Jennifer's family do have a, a long-standing history with Ireland and their family can be traced back to, to Ireland as well. Kinney is a variant of a, the name Kenny in Ireland. So uh, mm. they have a, that Irish tradition. So I guess they were there and I met Jennifer um, 
really didn't think much beyond that's a beautiful woman. Uh, but Aww. I was <laughs> I was on tour. I, I, I was a guy that was on tour in a band. I was very focused on what I was doing at the time. It was kind of it was my entire life. So I didn't really have a lot of time for uh, relationships, particularly when you're traveling and you're touring. You really don't have a home. You're you're always fluid. You're nomadic. Uh, so I didn't really want to add complexity to my life. Beyond that, Jennifer was already seeing someone at the time, so it just didn't occur to me that there was <laughs> a relationship there ever. Never thought about it. Didn't give it a second thought. And, you know, we left South Bend and that was that. But over the years when the band would come back and we, we were an actively touring band up until about 2012, over the years when we came back through South Bend, Jennifer would be at the shows. And again, really didn't pay too much attention to it. Uh, just because we'd come through once every three or six months, we'd say hi, and then we'd be gone again the next day. So really didn't think too much about a relationship or anything with that of like that. But in 2011, I guess it just was our very, the band's very last show in South Bend before the band broke up. Jennifer and I just happened to be both single at the time and both in a headspace and a moment in time where we were able to connect properly and that started our relationship and it's you know it's been a roller coaster ever since we've lived in Los Angeles we've lived in Ireland we've lived here in South Bend and uh, you know we've been married and had two kids in the last 9 years so it's been mm. it's been, it's been a crazy crazy few years for sure the name of that band uh, the band was called Mike got spiked um you know it's out there in the world uh, we were relatively successful for a small band from Ireland <laughs> <laughs> These guys? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like them, all right. That's awesome. Oh, very nice. Man, I, you're nothing if not prepared. <laughs> That's very NPR of you. <laughs> uh, so then, um, oh, did you say something? Oh, uh, Gavin asked if I had anything to add, any oh. edits, his side of the story. Um, yeah, it was just that random fate so i thought gavin was always very mean to me at these shows Um, not really open or welcoming or like you know hi move on lady (laughs) (laughs) he's very focused let's just say (laughs) and i was incredibly shy i was so scared to even bring up any conversation with him and so it was just that fateful night that he had a gig in Mishawaka, and I think maybe I had the courage of bubblegum vodka. I don't know what happened that, but <laughs> I was able to say hello to him. And from there, you know, he was living in LA and I was living in Chicago and um, we did the long distance thing. And mm-hmm. uh, just from there, we just became a family. Nice. Beautiful <laughs> yeah. story. I mean, there's a short version of it. Oh, sure. <laughs> there are many nuances. Visas. Visa complications. Oh, yeah. Marriage, marriage, marriage being expedited, uh, like uh, just all sorts of crazy stuff. It's, you know, wow. you wouldn't even believe the half of it. I was almost a mail order bride. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and Jennifer does like to always uh, sort of give me the barb that, you know, I, I, she, I got my green card by marrying her and that my life here in America is all predicated upon her love. And so she reminds me, <laughs> reminds me of that frequently. That's right. But sometimes I'm like, take out the trash or you're going back to Ireland. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> no, it's never like that. Sometimes. 
Did you ever go through the phase where, uh, I guess when you first met Jennifer with, with your name, uh, you know, do you go by Jennifer or Jenny or, or, or was Jen, that sort of thing? Did you go back and forth with Gavin on that? So yeah, I guess my whole family calls me Jennifer. My, my closest friends calls me Jenny or call mm. me Jenny. Although Brian Kiley calls me Jenny, which is weird. But, um, <laughs> and, and I guess you've always called me Jennifer. So not too many people call me, like, I think associates or people call me Jen, but Gavin's only called, you've only called me Jennifer and I don't call you Gav. So we don't go by the yeah. nicknames. It's, I have one of those weird things about calling people nicknames. Uh, it's just something, even if people are cool with having a nickname or a pseudonym or whatever, uh, a familiar term for them, I always just kind of, tend to call them their name uh you know james you're known as sbj in our band right yeah, that's right and uh, <laughs> i'd never ever call you sbj and sbj of course for those who want to know stands for sweet baby james oh, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> but i just call you james uh and uh, i know other members of the band love calling you sweet baby james but uh <laughs> maybe i will start calling you sweet baby james yes yes when when james has been introduced he gets introduced as sweet baby james covid changes everything doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> so thinking about your current status now, you both are at Notre Dame. What led you to Notre Dame to begin with? Well, James, it's kind of an extension of the, the story of how we came together. So we ended up here in South Bend. We'd been living in Ireland for the most of the year 2012. We were married in Ireland, mm. um, that whole thing there. Yeah, and, you know, 2012 was the lowest point, at least in Ireland, of the, the recession, the 2008-2009 recession. Mm-hmm. So hard to get a job, an internship, any sort of employment. And, you know, we found ourselves living back with my parents. Married couple living with my parents, yeah. having having left my mom and dad's house as an 18-year-old going to college. I've been very independent ever since. You know, I had to swallow my pride as someone in their mid-30s to move back in with my mom and dad. Mm. So that Christmas, Jennifer's a real homebird. She, uh, you know, she may not admit it, but she loves South Bend. She absolutely loves this town and her family. And eight months away from South Bend was leaving her, you know, very homesick in fairness. So we came for Christmas to visit. That was our, our explicit point was come to visit for Christmas. Just to hopefully wipe <laughs> the slate clean. And Jennifer would, the homesickness would be sort of squashed. Let's sure. say we came for Christmas and we arrived on Christmas Eve with enough clothes to do us for two weeks. And, you know, a couple of days after Christmas, Jennifer, for some reason, I guess, took a pregnancy test. She just wasn't quite feeling right. And we found out we were expecting our first child, Hugh. Hey. So that, yeah, I mean, it was it was an amazing moment. It really was. We still have the photos from then. And Jennifer was, doing, we were, Jennifer was doing snow angels. There was a lot of snow that Christmas. <laughs> Jennifer was lying in the snow doing snow angels. And uh, yeah, it, was, it is a lot of detail, but it was a special moment. You know, it really was. And I think then both of us just kind of thought, oh, wow, this is serious. You know, we have a child coming. Are we going to go back to Ireland where neither of us really has a job? Things are tough. We were still living with my mom and dad. Or do we try and stay here in South Bend where Jennifer has this large support network of six, six siblings, her mom and dad, friends. And even I knew quite a few people here because in one of those weird twists of faith, my band had always used South Bend as our kind of base so when we started and ended our tours, they always started in South Bend. And we, I, I got to know a lot of people locally in the music scene. 
So very quickly, we decided let's let's stay in South Bend. I think we have a better chance. The economy looked like it was picking up here. There were jobs mm-hmm. to be had, and it just seemed like the the wise move for us. So on a dime, we just decided we're staying, and then we had to go and adjust. We had to do all sorts of stuff because I'd visit came into the country as a visitor. I didn't have my green card at the time. I didn't have any legal authorization to stay here beyond ninety days. So we had to immediately kind of move on that to uh, to change my status and apply to become a resident and someone who could work, which we did very quickly. And then hope, by June of 2013, I had, you know, work authorization in hand and my green card came a few weeks later. So that means that I've got that status to reside here and to, to work and to pay taxes and everything like that. So and it, it's funny because it's, it's it took eight months to get your green card, right? Uh, probably, I'd say... Six to eight to have and it in hand. There was like mm. medical yeah. shots. Like how many shots did you have to take? I mean, you get tre- interviews. Yeah. Like everything. Wow. Like, intense. And when I got my green card in Ireland, it was like 15 minutes. The <laughs> the Garda, it was at like the local Garda station. Garda means police. Um, mm. He was like rocking Pearl Jam real loud. Nice, and he's nice. like, Grand, 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 you're good. You're Grand. Thumbprint, good. You're good. <laughs> and it was that, it was it. It's so easy. Contrast, it's cheap, and here, like it was thousands of dollars. It was a lot of work. It's this country definitely has a lot of red tape, and I don't mean Mm. to denigrate the country or any Americans listening to this because I absolutely love this country and love the opportunities that are presented here. But the 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 green card process, the citizenship process, that's a you've a lot of hoops to jump through. Mm. You really do. Intense. So with all that, you know, with my work authorization and my green card, I decided I looked around South Bend and was like, you know, I've been working in music for the last eight years professionally. I'd been a professional musician from 2005 through till the band ended in 2012. And I, in LA where I'd been based for three years prior to the end of the band, I'd been working in music management with the music management company that had was managing the band I was in at the time. And I really wanted to stay working in music, but you know, in South Bend, there's this very small scene. The promoter's, locally um you know basically work for themselves they try and pay themselves off whatever they make at the shows Mm -hmm. and there really just wasn't much of an industry here so looking around my education is in english and history and then journalism before music i was a journalist for three years so i figured notre dame's here there has to be something i could do at that university that requires someone who has an english journalistic writing artsy type background and kind of just went on the jobs website and saw uh, a posting for an admin assistant in development stroke university relations. And I didn't understand what either of those terms meant at the time, (laughs) but I applied to Notre Dame and I very quickly, you know, a couple of days later I had a phone interview and then I had, uh, I got asked to come in to interview with Lynn Hubert and Bridget Gilman. I remember that. I did. Mm -hmm. I interviewed with both of them and uh, I didn't get the job. Uh, the story was that at least what they told me was that I was too qualified for the, the role that I was interviewing for. Whether that was true or not, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember Bridget who called me saying that our boss is looking to hire someone and we think you'd be a good fit for that. So we've we've passed you along to her. And of course, at the time I was devastated. I was really upset because we had, we were banking so much on getting a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Hugh was due to arrive about six weeks later. This is the middle of July at this point. And, 
Yeah, I really didn't hold out much hope for getting that call back. But I did. I got a call from Jen Harwell, uh, who, you know, she now works in HR, but at the time she was working in uh, development. She gave me a call and she set me up with an interview for both Mickey and Sarah Liebscher, who were both hiring for, you know, an assistant at the time. So I interviewed with both Mickey and Sarah on the same day. And I got a call the next day from Mickey offering me the job as her, uh, you know, assistant coordinator or whatever the title was. And, uh, you know, I mean, immediately jumped at it because Jennifer had prefaced my application process with, you know, it's, got, it's tough to get into Notre Dame. Don't, don't hold out too much hope on this one. You know, whatever happens, happens, but don't be, don't be too downcast if you don't get the job. Mm. So we got the job and we jumped for joy. And of course, Jennifer had to give me that little barb again that, well, you only got hired because you're Irish, right? <laughs> Irish charm. <laughs> so that led me to Notre Dame. And, you know, it's just, I've just been, uh, just celebrated seven years with the university now. Yay. And, uh, been- Yay. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, let me thank God and James Riley and Mickey Kidder and uh, Nani. your green card. <laughs> and Jennifer. Aww. <laughs> but uh, so that that was my my path to Notre Dame, and uh, it's been a, a blessing ever since, for sure. And uh, Jennifer came on about six months after that, right? Is that right? Yeah. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. So I started. So I, my first degree was from um, was in economics, and I worked in a bank, and I did the whole banking. I was a business banker, and <laughs> it was very interesting times to be in the bank during the subprime mortgage era. But oh, um, sure. So I was on a couple committees to do these big like scholarship events. And I just decided, you know, I actually really love doing these events. So I built the passion um, to do these collaborative projects. And um, so then I went to school again um, to get a degree in hospitality with special events in Chicago. And um, so I had this weird dual sided at economics. I'm really good with math. I enjoy that. But then I also like the creative side of events and design and all that. Um, so it seemed like a perfect fit when um, Catherine Lane was looking for stewardship. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, was it a perfect fit? How <laughs> was that a perfect fit? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but like this. Yeah. So, and then I, after starting in stewardship six months after Gavin started, and I'm sure you had big help in that, um, went from stewardship to, uh, special events. And I absolutely love doing events. It's such a passion for me. So mm-hmm. ever since then, it's just been just, I just love it. Well, love you're, it. you're good at it, Jennifer. I mean, you, you oh. excel in that area and, and I think Notre Dame is a better place because of all the work that you've put in. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so you guys have uh, experience in a lot of different industries, a lot of different uh, areas. How does Notre Dame differ from other places you've worked? Like what really stands out about working for the university for you? I remember one of the, like my, in my interview and, and just recognizing it during the first couple of meetings after I started, it was so bizarre. I mean, I grew up Catholic, but it was so bizarre to see a crucifix on the wall. Mm. Like that was like, wow, like this, they actually do mean it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> actually like a real, like it's in their everyday life. And I was so impressed with that. Um, 
you know, there's the mission of Notre Dame and, and uh, the core values, but just seeing that presence of that in, in your everyday office space was amazing compared to corporate America. You know, when I used to work at the bank, like, there's no talk of any religion in there. So that was a huge difference. Right. For me, my career path, and if you look at my resume, it reads kind of crazy because <laughs> no. I, it does. It reads, it reads kind of mad. To be honest, I consider myself, you know, like a jack of many trades and a master of very few. But that's come in very handy for me over the years because I've been able to be flexible and adaptable and kind of pivot as needed um, when my career has been crazy and weird. And like the bat, being a professional musician, I mean, it's very gratifying and it's amazing and there's so many highs, but there's also tons of lows as well. And it's a tough, tough life, particularly now where, you know, no one buys music anymore. Everyone just listens to Spotify and, and they don't pay very much for music. So bands have to tour to make money. And, you know, right now no one's touring and we're, we're dealing with venues going out of business, bands possibly calling it a day. So when I was still touring, it was very tough. We, we did not own homes. We did not own anywhere. We were literally sleeping on people's floors or couches and now and again, maybe getting a hotel when we had no other options. So, you know, I've worked, I've been a professional musician and that's you're you're working for yourself. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. You're not working for anyone else. It's all, if you don't have the passion and the motivation, you're never going to go anywhere. Even with that and all the talent in the world, you may not go anywhere. So, you know, Notre Dame's obviously vastly different for that. You're working for a collective, you're working for uh, a group of people with a shared goal, a shared vision, a, a mission. And even though I, you know, I have worked in a newspaper for three years this Notre Dame is the first place I've really worked that, you know, is a large workforce and a large business or a nonprofit. And I've been personally astounded by the, the level of talent at the university. It's shocking and frightening how many talented people work in Notre Dame. Um, but having said that, it's also for me, um, it's kind of like when I, when I saw, uh, when I see musicians that are brilliant, you know, like top of their game, better than I am and I consider myself a good musician but you always meet people that are better than you Hmm. try to use that as motivation to work harder get better rather than being like jealous or upset about it just try to use that as wow look at that that's flawless or that's effortless or it's perfection in motion so I see that at Notre Dame all the time just people that you know working for Lou I mean every day I'm inspired by that man and I don't mean that to be sycophantic in any way the man is just (laughs) He's a, he's a font of knowledge, of poetry, of quotes, of he's just so mellifluous with his language. It's just, it's, it's inspirational. And, you know, we see that across our entire division. We have some of the most talented people at the university, and uh, that's why they keep getting pinched for other divisions. So it's, it's wonderful to work in Notre Dame. It really is. It's been a blessing, and, uh, you know, long may it continue. Nice. Now, I, I, we all know that uh, COVID, COVID-19 has changed a lot of things in our daily work lives. And for some of us, it's changed our, our positions and what we do for the university. So, Jennifer, uh, my question to you is, uh, what are you doing now? Can you tell us a little bit about your, your workload, what you're doing and how you're enjoying it or all that good stuff? Yes. Um, so, obviously, there's no um, live events this fall 
Um, so our t- entire special events team have t- transitioned to be a here ambassador. Um, so we are the people out there with green shirts and we are spreading the joy of students. Please, please abide by these <laughs> precautions. Cause then you get to stay on campus and not go back to your mom's house, <laughs> mom and dad's <laughs> house. Um, so it's, it's been it's definitely testing our endurance. That's for sure. Um, you know, it's great when there's, uh, we're all signed in different buildings and, um, it's great when there is a lot of activity in the buildings, but when there are, um, let's say classes or there's like one student around for like, and one passes in the the hour and a half has gone by, it builds your endurance to learn how to stare at a wall essentially. Mm. Um, but I have been making fun with it. I'm actually this week I've been in Mendoza in the basement and I've been having a lot of fun, um, interacting and building relationships with, um, the staff in the business library. And there's this cafe commons. I had no idea was there. Um, I love Sandra there. She is just, a, I could talk to her all day <laughs> and I'm sure she's like, okay, I have to go back to work. But, um, <laughs> So essentially, yeah, we are just there just to remind and be an influence, not a police force, but an influence to tell and remind students and staff and faculty, you know, take this seriously and uh, just do your part and wear your mask and be socially distant uh, just so we can stay on campus, Mm -hmm. all of us, or stay remotely on campus. (laughs) (laughs) In that that last question, uh, Gavin, uh, yet again used a word that I had never heard of. So I just wanted to, <laughs> to clarify, just in case I'm the only one that, that doesn't know what that word mellifluous means. It is, I just looked it up, sweet or musical or pleasant to hear. So very nice word. Uh, you don't have uh, to use the beep. Beep. Gavin, you mentioned working with Lou. Can you tell us a little bit about that position, what you're doing in your role? Yeah, you know, it's... Uh... The title is advisor, but I, I think it's a complete misnomer because Lou doesn't need advice ever. He, mm. he knows his own mind. He's done his job for 20 plus years at Notre Dame. He's beyond experience. He's our best fundraiser. He's our best speaker. He's our most passionate engager of the team. And no offense, James, but you know, like, <laughs> or Grace, none taken. <laughs> he's just, he's just, you know, there's a reason he's the boss. Sure. He's just so good at his job. So I see my role and, you know, others have done the job before me. And if you spoke to Josh and Ryan and uh, there was a fourth person before, before Ryan, if you spoke to them, I'm sure they'd see the job differently or perhaps differently than I do. But the way I look at it is kind of deal with all the stuff that Lou doesn't have to. Let's keep him focused on raising, you know, transformational gifts for Notre Dame. So the day-to-day stuff that, that really shouldn't be coming to him. I try and just take that off his plate and try and deal with stuff that I know the answers to and, you know, clearing his schedule, keeping him focused, making sure he's prepared for his speaking engagements, his meetings. And then, you know, that great phrase that's in PDs, other duties as assigned. So like literally (laughs) whatever it takes to get the job done, to keep Lou uh, on track, unfocused and leading a team of 300 plus people. So I really enjoy. It was one of those jobs. I, you know, I've worked three different jobs at Notre Dame, basically Uh, worked for Mickey for three and a bit years, worked on the trail, went back to work for Mickey for a year. And then I've been with Lou just shy of two years. And 
you know, I'm not someone that kind of jumps from position to position as things arise, but the opportunity to work for Lou was one of those where I knew in my heart and soul that I wanted to do it uh, because I'm sure like, like many people, you don't always see Lou or you don't get time with Lou if you work at Eddie Street. You know, mm-hmm. he tries to get over as often as he can, but you don't always get time to talk to him. And I wondered about Lou. I was like, is this guy the guy that I think he is? I want to I want to understand how his mind works, how he sees the job we do, how how he thinks strategically. So that was what really attracted me to the job. And yeah, you know, I applied and got it. And it's been almost two years and it's been just educational on every level. I thought I was a good writer before I worked for Lou, but I had to, you know, start from scratch again and relearn so many things that I thought I knew and didn't know. Mm. And yeah, you know, Lou's a great manager. He doesn't micromanage people. He lets them grow and fail when appropriate. And he also gives feedback immediately. So if you do a good job, you know, if you do a bad job, you also know, <laughs> but I love that. I'm, I'm a candid type of person. I like people who are straight and honest and to the point. And curse. I hate prevarication. <laughs> I hate, uh, you know, I hate securitist language when you're like, what am I, what are you telling me? I, I like people who are direct and can tell you. Yes. And I like people who curse because it puts me at ease. And Lou's been known, <laughs> known to, you know, be loquacious with his expletives. So I'm happy with that, you know, because it puts me at ease. Because that's, that's my metier. That's where I'm my, uh, that's my language that I work with, you know. Wow. Dee, wow. why don't you ask the next question while I look up that last word he used. <laughs> Keep the thesaurus open for this one. Uh, But Jennifer, you mentioned um, sort of how your current role has transitioned during this pandemic time. Um, But you also went through another transition earlier with the special events team moving to the new UEE division. So can you just tell us a little bit about that process and sort of how it impacted your work? Uh, yeah, so that, so that happened all last summer or spring, summer. And, um, you know, I was excited. I was totally on board, super energized. Um, I was at the time working, uh, with athletics advancement and I absolutely love that team. That, that team is, it's the dream team. I mean, they're just all so supportive and fun and you can say the craziest things and they're like, yep, love it, you know, and (laughs) I, I have Mike Brown in my head now just saying that. But, um, <laughs> Let's do it! <laughs> Former Grace of Giving podcast guest. Nice. Yes. Um, so, and, you know, with Sarah, um, you know, working with her, it's, it's just like the whole team, VP, everybody, um, and now Kim Borza. So it's just so exciting. And so, you know, I was excited for this, uh, this transition and um, – you know, it, but it's been a roller coaster ever since it's um, in many ways, it's been, there have been a lot of ups and downs and just trying to understand how this new division, you know, it's still with Mickey, but there's university catering, there's St. Michael's laundry, there's um, the cemetery, Cedar Grove, and uh, a lot of different divisions that you just, we partner with them in events, but to see them and, and try to feel included because they're all re- revenue generating and we are not, mm-hmm. <laughs> we are in a different way, like more of the ROI aspect um, in development. So it's, 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 we've had some changes. We've had some new leadership. We've had new colleagues and just, just trying to feel where our fit is. And I think we're still getting there, but at the same time, then this pandemic happens. Mm. And um, so, you know, I, 
as well as being a here ambassador, I'm helping out with some graphics for athletics advancement. And I had loved in graphics as well. I, I never knew I had that little side passion as well. And I really enjoy doing that. Um, so it's, it's good to be able to still have a part of that, to still feel part of the team. Cause I know there's many of us in the team that we miss development. You know, we, we, sure. we, we don't want to, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And that's kind of something that makes us a little bit nervous. Um, and, and we just miss it. Um, so, you know, in this, hopefully this pandemic and sooner than later so we can get back to our partnerships and back to these exciting events that you know all the events this fall that were sounded amazing and wonderful are now you know tabled right now I I hope that we can redo them in the spring but yeah so it's it's been it's been ups and downs like I said and and hopefully we can find our fit more in UEE once all this pandemic's gone and um and there you know there's been reorgs and and UEE and, you know, Mickey's trying to develop this strong team. And, and, and so it's just, it's been difficult, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's still very much honored to work at Notre Dame and still love events. So as long as I can still do that, I'm more than honored and happy. And so, yeah, it's, just make, make sure you wear your mask. That's all I can say. Right <laughs> that's now. right. Yes. That's very important. Yeah. Now, you know. I, I do have to take the opportunity to uh, recognize Jennifer for designing the awesome scoop with Sarah logo. <laughs> found off. She just totally took it on herself to do that. And it's, I put it in there and I was like, this is so cute. Like, I love this. So thank you again for doing that. I have to give some credit to Gavin because we saw the first one and they didn't have a logo. And Gavin's like, I feel like she needs a logo. And I'm like, I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) As well as the uh, slogan contest logo. You designed that as well. So hats off to you, Jennifer. Job well done. There's a lot of little secrets around that had my hand in there, but I'm the, Gavin's more of the the front of, he's more the the performer. Everybody see me, look at me, listen to me. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) And I'm more like, get me behind the scenes. If I have to public speak and if I have to, like, I just get so red in the that, face. <laughs> that's a slanderous statement. I have to say, <laughs> I I am not someone who likes the light. Okay. I'm singing a band, but beyond that, I do not like the limelight. I quite like working behind the I don't scenes. Know. The mm. shapes that you throw on stage says otherwise. <laughs> that's, that's the, the, the mantle of the performer where you can put on another personality and another identity and be a totally different person than in real life. That's totally me. I, We're still waiting for his like ego name, like his alternative ego name. Like it would <laughs> oh. be. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Gab the Destroyer. I don't know. <laughs> the Destroyer. <laughs> that needs a logo. <laughs> Come on it. <laughs> now, Gavin, you mentioned earlier uh, many roles that you've had since you've started here in development, and if you think about all the projects and initiatives that you've been involved with in your time here. What really sticks out to you? Is there one that, that uh, really grabs you for better for better or for worse? <laughs> Sorry, Jennifer was distracting me here with something. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it has to be the trail. I think that's a no-brainer to, to, to say that one. It just was, you know, the craziest 18 or so months of my entire life and mm. the most rewarding, uh, inventive, ingenious, crazy – difficult project I've ever been a part of, but those memories will last a lifetime. And yeah, Yeah. friendships Mm -hmm. that were forged both, you know, with colleagues on that small team across the university with the state police, with (laughs) external vendors, 
uh, and let me asterisk the state police there. It's, it wasn't in any way nefarious or troublesome. It was all on above board and we were good friends. It wasn't like I was detained for doing anything wrong. <laughs> I know some people are probably going there. I need to cut across. Gavin was driven home once in the state trooper car and he pulled up and I'm, I'm, I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> Not again. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, James, you participated on the trail. You know what it was like, what uh, it was just a mammoth project, expansive in its scope and execution. Mm -hmm. And none of us really knew if it would be successful or not. We did planning, like a crazy amount of planning and preparation for it. And we were blessed by the fact that those two weeks, three years ago, in August, three years ago, were very mild for Indiana. It was not humid. It was not crazy hot. And I think that was a godsend because had the weather been more typical, I think you would have seen a lot more people dealing with dehydration, fatigue, exhaustion mm-hmm. than we did. But yeah, you know, I think, think, think fondly back to those, those, to that year and a half. Um, it was just, it was another one of those, like the way I said, uh, applying for Lou's job, I had been working for Mickey at the time and this trail project was announced, I believe, up in um, Grand Rapids at the fundraiser offsite meeting in 2016. That was the first time I'd ever heard about the trail. And uh, I wasn't sure, I can't remember if it was Catherine or Lou or Shannon who spoke up, uh, got on stage and announced the trail to everyone. But immediately I was like, wow, that's, that sounds like an amazing project. So in the back of my head, I was like, if there's any way I can be part of that, I want to be. But I didn't think there was going to be a way because they had the team kind of already in place. Catherine, Matt Clowitter, uh, Lauren Fox, they were kind of set in stone as that was the team. And then, uh, you know, I, I just wasn't sure if there was going to be any more, another position opening up. But one did, and I asked Mickey, I was like, Mickey, you know, would you be okay if I threw my hat in for this Um I'd really like to be involved in this. This project is speaking to me. Sure. I love, I love traveling. You know, as a touring artist, you have to love oh, traveling. Right. So the trail and just called out to me for that. The fact that we'd be, uh, you know, traveling a lot with the research side of the trail. And then obviously the execution of it itself, the whole way from Vincennes to campus just really spoke to me. And it, it made me grow a lot as a, as a person and as a colleague and a, an employee of Notre Dame because it put me into positions that I wasn't comfortable with. You know, we had 60 plus rest stops from Vincennes to campus and every one of those rest stops had to be secured. And that was part of the job I had. You know, I was dealing with the pit stops, mm-hmm. and volunteers, our staff. And, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff, but specifically the rest stops was a big part of my uh, brief. So for every one of those, I had to go and knock on someone's door and say, hey, I'm this such and such from Notre Dame. We're doing this project called the trail. I know it sounds lunacy, but we're, we're doing these things with pit stops. Would we be able to use your backyard here or your front lawn or this <laughs> parking lot? And I hated that sort of doorstepping, which it really was, you know, kind of cold calling on someone's house. Mm-hmm. I have a thing about dogs. I have, a, I have a long-standing fear of dogs from being bitten many times as a kid. I'm kind of my my basic position is I'm scared of all dogs until I know that they're not going to attack me. <laughs> and then when you're out in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, and you're every every house has dogs and multiple dogs sometimes, and they're all running around the yard, and then you're like, oh my god, I'm about to get killed here. 
And I just had to own it and get over it. And, and Well, that's because in Ireland, all dogs are farm. Like, since you grew up in a farm area, all dogs are loose and they protect their yep. lane to the farm. And so they would come out and attack. <laughs> it actually happened to both of us when we were riding our bikes in Ireland. So it's, it's a legit thing. Wow. <laughs> Oh it, is. it is a legit thing. Like dogs are American dogs are so much nicer, Gavin. American dogs have better manners for sure. That is true. The nicer type. Maybe they're of dog. less drunk. I don't know. Well, thanks for Sorry. thanks for tolerating Corby when you come over for rehearsal. Oh, your, your dog, your dog is beautiful. And, and our children and, love Corby. So. Big scaredy cat, really. But uh, right, uh, I, I, I've gotten a little bit better. But you know, still, if I don't know a dog, I'm wary. Is my kind of starting position. Sure. Anyway, so yeah, finish up the trail, hands down, amazing. It was just such a brilliant thing to be involved with, and I'll never forget it. Well, it's kind of going along those lines um, about memorable experiences. Jennifer, is there an event or just an experience that you've had with Notre Dame development that really sticks out to you? Yeah, there's like there's so many, and I was, I was trying to think like what would be my memorable experience, and you know, like I think the most beautiful event I've ever done because it was just so interesting. It was the Murdy family organ dedication. And so we had tables in the rotunda in the main building. And I don't know what made me think of it, but I was like, let's do mirror tops. And so when you're looking down, eating your meal, you'll, you're going to see the inside of the the dome oh, and it's wow. angels. And, all that. and it was just so beautiful. Um, point, was- point of clarification there where Jennifer said mirror, she meant to say mirror. Uh, this- <laughs> This is one of our, our married life moments. That's real life on the fly. Wow. Gavin just is just his vocabulary is just I, <laughs> out I'm of my li- league. I'm a little bit <laughs> a little bit pedantic when it comes to pronunciation. Oh, he says Americans have the worst adjectives or what is it? Like <laughs> Oh no, I just say that Americans don't like using adverbs. Adverbs, so I'm sorry. Yes. He's driving so slow. No, he's driving slowly. Yes. He will correct yes, me yes. every Right. I'm like, this is self is and the, the Indiana Hoosier dialect. You have to get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, that was the most beautiful event. But then I was thinking, well, there was 50 on the 50. Um, and I worked with Kim Borza and the athletics advancement team. And we did that formal dinner on the 50 yard line. And that was amazing. And then I think the Super Bowl of this past year, which was January, uh, the end of January. And we were on a cruise ship. We had an event. And I remember laughing and thinking it was the biggest joke because I was like, hey, I was saying Jenny Borg to tell Jack Swarbrick. And then when Jack Swarbrick showed up, like, hey, this is insane and it's silly, but you have to get your forehead scanned for your temperature because of this thing called coronavirus. And I was laughing and I'm like, you know, rolling my eyes like, just come through here. We'll get to the nurse really quickly so we can board the ship. And it was like it's just amazing to think of like one month or a month and a half later, this is our life, the Super Bowl events, um, you know, with Mike Brown and Reggie Brooks, those are amazing. Mm-hmm. I love to travel. I love, we did Pinehurst. Uh, and you know, it's funny with athletics advancement and just how, how open they are to crazy ideas. I could say the craziest things like let's do a trampoline step and repeat where people jump and we take their picture and Sarah Leaps would be like, let's do it. And hmm, <laughs> I know yeah. when I used to do like events, like executive events, that would be like, don't even say that out loud. So like, ever since I joined or partnered with Athletics Advancement, all the events have just been so memorable because we can just do the most fun things. So, You know, we're now sitting at, what's today, Thursday, August the 13th. 
And uh, I think it, it it's significant because we're now uh, working from home for five months, I want to say, middle of March to middle of August. Things have flown by. Uh, how have both of you uh, put up with this working remotely thing? <laughs> wow. I well, laugh, Gavin sighs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I, to be brutally honest, it's been a real challenge mm-hmm. for for us. Uh, we have two young children who were from the middle of March through to the beginning of June were, you know, homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer and I both were working from home. And uh, at least for the job I was doing, it got even busier than it had been for those first few months as, you know, parents, benefactors, staff, everyone wanted to, you know, reach out to Lou. Everyone wanted to be reassured. Everyone was scared about the future of their jobs, the academic year, you know, all every topic under the sun, you know, Lou was hearing about it. So my job became very, very busy. And uh, being someone who has no patience whatsoever, and Jennifer will vouch for this, like I have zero patience. The kids minus coming in. Zero. Yeah. Uh, you know. Love uh, you. Yes, that's all good. It's it's minus zero. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm admitting it. I'm admitting it and owning it's it. It's type A. It's okay. Yeah, I have very little patience. So, you know. He gets it out through music. That's right. <laughs> you know, as a creative first, I'm sure anyone can, uh, you know, empathize with this when you get on a roll or in a flow with something, if you're writing something or you're creating something, you have to kind of follow that through or you lose that moment and you've lost your train of train of thought or the specific moment that you're trying to capture. And I find that with, I do a lot of writing for Lou and if I get interrupted when I'm on a roll, I find it hard to get back into that sometimes. So it was tough with the kids because they, Hugh, who's, uh, you know, was in kindergarten at St. Joe at the time, had specific times where he had to be on the computer for this class. It was intense. Yeah. Function or this class meet and greet type thing. And then he had so much homework to do that had to be submitted by nine o'clock on Tuesday and Thursday morning. So it just, it's been, it's been tough. And the summer thankfully gave us that respite where, Neither of the kids were in school. Their summer camp plans had been canceled, so they were at home. And, you know, bad. we may be bad parents or whatever, but we said, hey, there's a TV over there. Go watch five Marvel movies or something, and I'll no. see you, oh see you tonight. You are so exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like five minutes, and you just said five movies. Oh, my well, gosh. No, I, we're not course, that bad. <laughs> the, the story but benefits there, from being over the top. If there's a meeting, we're both in meetings at the same time, we're like, hey, let's watch this movie so we can have that hour break. But actually, I thought it worked out with us because I was um, I was trying to take care of the children during the day so Gavin could, you know, not be interrupted. And then uh, I would do all my graphic work or any of my – so events, 90% of an event is communication and emails and, you know, talking to vendors. And, getting, and in our case, it was – canceling and reading through contracts with force majeure. Like we were canceling all of these and I could do that all through at at the night at evening time. And so we had a good system where I would do the e-learning during the day. I would, you know, have some meetings here and there, but we were able to manage it. And then at night and like, that's my witching hour essentially for graphics, especially I just get my most creative time for graphics is like between that 9 PM to 11 or even midnight or even later, if I just, like Gavin said, if I'm in the moment, I'm feeling something like the Sarah scoop, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
I thought it worked out pretty well how we managed it. Um, you know, there are some times where I was a little evil and I put like funny masks on my children and had them walk behind daddy during a zoom meeting. Yeah. Cause you know, I had to have fun. <laughs> and Gavin would just give me the death glare <laughs> or I had our children put pants on their arms and shirts on their legs and walk through, you know, all TikTok stuff. Sure. behind Gavin in a, in a zoom meeting and, and Gavin still does not like virtual backgrounds, so it works to my benefit because I can really prank him really well. <laughs> so I, I, I think it worked out. And yet, you know, not being on campus, it changes your mentality. And it's, you know, like Groundhog's Day every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, even on campus, it, for us here ambassadors, it can feel like Groundhog's Day. But, um, you know, I'm going to look back at this and just be so appreciative that you know, we had that time with our family and, you know, just to see how our children are in the summer and go crazy with them and run through the sprinklers or just do whatever while Gavin is fiercely working on his laptop, <laughs> finding all these crazy words to use. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I enjoyed it. I, you know, it was hard, but I enjoyed sure, that. Sure. Bit of it. Wow, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I think that's a great point, too, that um, if there's anything that we can take from this, if we've got more time with our families, I think that's that's what we should take from and it. TikTok. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's <laughs> <laughs> um, So I would be remiss if I did not mention that we have two of the biggest rock stars in Michiana. <laughs> slash- <laughs> Grace and Jennifer. Yay! Yay! That's right. more song. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) but uh so gavin and james can you give us a little oral history of just sort of how the geriophonics band came together little okay i'll 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 start james if you don't mind please do this is all you man uh okay so the very quickly i'll guess 1998. My, <laughs> but that's where it starts. 1998. <laughs> a cold fall evening. I was five years old. And <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. I'll take this, James. <laughs> All right. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. 1998. Wildwood, New Jersey, <laughs> of all places. Uh, I had just finished my, what, second year in University College Dublin and spent the summer working in Wildwood, New Jersey in a seafood restaurant. Myself and a couple of my friends from my hometown uh, had gone to America for the summer because it sounded like it'd be good crack, which means fun. uh, (laughs) And you could make some money and spend the summer somewhere that's beautifully sunny and have fun. So we went there. I'd, at the time, I was in a, a band with my friends from, from school, not Mike Spike, the band who went on to tour. But at the time, it was in like your high school band type thing. And we got word, three of the five of that band were uh, with me at the time. And we got word very quickly that uh, one of the Irish pubs in the town was looking for a band to play on Thursday nights every Thursday throughout the summer, like a summer residency. So... We said, yeah, why the hell not? We can have a go at this. So three of us uh, basically played at this pub that whole summer. And we, the way I've always looked at cover music is I've always been from an original music background and covers was always kind of the dirty cousin type thing that you didn't really talk about too much. (laughs) That, you know, there's a certain 
level of credibility that you lose if you play covers, at least if you're an original musician, for the most part, you think of covers as kind of like sullying yourself or dirty in your name. So we didn't want to play under the original band's name. So we said, let's come up with a new name for this group that's doing this summer thing. It'll be a one-off. It'll never happen again. doesn't matter what it's called. So at the time in Ireland, there was a Welsh band that were very famous called the Stereophonics. There were in the charts, tons of hits, etc. We had one of our friends with us in, in, in Wildwood, was called Jerry. And we said, oh, someone just threw it. Why don't we call ourselves Jerryophonics? And we were like, perfect, that'll do. Doesn't, we don't need to give it another thought. It's not an old man that I always yes, imagine. It's not an old man. <laughs> uh, but we, in deference to him, we changed the name. His name is spelled, Jerry is spelled with a G. But we said, oh, we'll spell it with J. It'll be even cooler like that. Uh-huh. So Jerryophonics Band was born. We played every Thursday night for that summer the 1999 summer and the 2000 summer. So three summers in a row that band played and basically then got put in storage until 2009 when I was living in LA and you can't really, you know, when you're in an original music band, you don't play too often. You got to create demand for the product you're selling. Mm -hmm. So you play kind of once every two months uh, and unless you're touring. So if you're based in LA, you're only going to play LA once a month, once every two months, something like that. So we started to keep ourselves afloat while we're living in LA, probably one of the more expensive cities in the world. We said, let's bring back the Jerryophonics. So the Jerryophonics comes back to life with a new kind of lineup. <laughs> it was only myself and one of the other guys. Uh, I'm the only original member in Jerryophonics and the only one that's been in it the whole time. So it's just been a rotating lineup of people. So Jerryophonics lived in LA for a while. For three years, we did covers over there. Then it, we did some shows in Germany when I was back in Ireland for a bit. We did some so- shows in Europe under the name Jerryophonics. And then fast forward to 2016, uh, the 2016 Summit, when Mickey and Brian Ream put together, uh, you know, UR's Got Talent. Myself and James and Brandon and Rudy and Gary Grisadis and Beth Furlick and a bunch of other people, both still with the university and not, and uh, gone Aaron to other Wall, divisions. Aaron Wall, Annie uh, right. Geary, like so many people, Stephen yeah, Smith. Okay. Um, there's so many people, I can't even remember all of them. We came together to do a UR's Got Talent, a kind of like house band between uh, the... The, the, the speaking sessions, so to speak. And it was fun. You know, uh, I knew Brandon was a professional musician at some point too. I knew James had been in the marching band and we just started doing this thing. We played at the summit. Then Mickey asked us to play at the, the family party event in the Irish green after that. Then Drew Buscarino asked us to play a president circle event uh, in, at before the Georgia game, was it? Or maybe not. I can't even remember when that was. No, it wasn't. That was a year later. But we played a PC event on the Irish Green. Plug to Mary Anderson. Plug to Mary Anderson. Hey, Mary. (laughs) And then from that, Mark Burdell, who used to work in the um, Alumni Association, he and his son saw us play at that PC event and approached us to say, would we play his son's wedding the following August 2017? So um, I think, James, you, me, and Brandon got together and said, like, what are we going to do here now? Uh, most of the colleagues in the department didn't really want to be a band that was going to be playing clubs and shows and things like that. It was fun for work and to do work events, but to actually want to go out and rehearse and play well, in clubs already, and venues. You're already in a cover band with my brother. I'm sorry, brother-in-law. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, James, you, me, and Brandon sat down and said, what are we going to do here about this? How are we going to put together a band? And, you know, my brother-in-law, 
Drew, who was the guy who was running Cheers that we played in, and another friend here locally, Steve Dixon. The three of us had been doing a little cover three-piece acoustic thing. So I think it was a perfect marriage. The colleagues from work mixed with the colleagues external to, uh, and my friends and family, and that's what the latest Jerryophonics lineup has become, right? That's right. And here we are today telling the story. Thank you, Gavin. Well, we, <laughs> the oral we history. The story, right? Love it. Love it. Now it's it's on record now, so I can record it and, and, and memorize it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I didn't allow you to speak more there. No, no, no. That's that's great history there. Yeah. That The earlier you were talking about the kids, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the family? I've known them for quite a while, and I, um, I adore them, and I, I wish I could see them every day. I'm going to let Jennifer take this one, and then I'm going to interrupt her when she's wrong. So oh. back in 2012, no. <laughs> so we have uh, Hugh and uh, Claire. So Hugh is six, almost seven, and he's going to be entering in first grade at St. Joe, and Claire is five, and she's at ECDC St. Mary's. Um, you know, very Irish names. Hugh's named after Gavin's dad, hmm. and... Uh, uh, Claire is actually named after is my middle name and named after my grandmother. So we went very traditional family names and, um, they are just the craziest little kids. And Claire is just a fierce little thing. And <laughs> I am so scared when she becomes a teenager because we're going to have her, or Gavin's going to have his hands full. Um, <laughs> but, and, and so Hugh, he, um, we are, we just, we're so proud of him. He is, he has autism mm-hmm. and he is a uh, level one autistic, I believe. And it's, it's hard to know when to say autistic versus autism. Mm-hmm. And so he has autism and he is just so intelligent and he is so much fun. And he's, he just, it's great to have a conversation with him because he just blows your mind with things that he says. <laughs> and I think Gavin, you and him had a long drive down to Indianapolis and just the questions he asked. And it's just, oh. he was amazing. And uh, we are blessed to have, uh, we're lucky because it's not too severe, but just either way, it's just amazing to see the challenges and how we are as parents reacting to um what we need to do to make Hugh thrive. And so, uh, and Claire is just his little terrorist. He, she is his bully. And so we get practice with that off the start. <laughs> Gavin's done. He's officially done. But I'm like, well, uh, you know, what if we have some more? And then the, definitely the pandemic coronavirus has shut all that down. Oh. <laughs> We're is, done. <laughs> is Hugh still into dinosaurs? dinosaurs for sure and that's so impressive all the i mean we can't even say some of those uh names of the dinosaurs and he's really into marvel like all the mm-hmm. avengers and sure i think superheroes in general superhero okay. yeah we got really he's getting into dc comic ones nice. a bit. i didn't know any of them but now i'm well versed in avengers I bet like you are. A big thor fan like most women i'm sure and i was just yeah. about to say yeah <laughs> favorite years yeah and that, i love Groot. Groot's that, my favorite <laughs> that scene in infinity for those of you who've seen infinity war where uh thor shows up with rocket and groot in the middle of the battle of wakanda and just kind of like unleashes <laughs> havoc with stormbreaker i know i'm speaking in code here to some people but if you haven't seen it watch that moment if you're a lady you'll appreciate it okay it's goosebumps oh my gosh grace go check it out <laughs> no you're not wrong you're not wrong. <laughs> he said he's quite not wrong huh quite not wrong <laughs> 
Oh, man. Well, we're actually uh, coming to the end of our time together. But uh, Kaya, last question for you. Do you have any words of advice for colleagues who might be struggling to balance work and family obligations during this time? You know, I think, obviously, stay in touch with your manager, I think, is the, is the, the smart way to approach it. Everyone understands that we're all going through extraordinary times, unprecedented times, crazy times. We've Nothing like this has ever happened in the modern era. So everyone understands that there's family dynamics, there's work dynamics. And I think if you're just transparent with your immediate supervisor or your boss, there's going to be that level of empathy there to say, we'll make it work. Let us know what we need to do to make this work for you. You know, that's been the great thing about Lou. He he understands our personal situation here. And he, you know, he just, obviously he wants the work done to a high standard, but he understands that there's a lot going on in our house, just as there are there is in his house and everyone else's house. So, you know, reach out to friends. Uh, you know, I'm blessed to have some really good friends in the department that I can reach out to. Obviously, James lives just around the corner from us, so I can actually <laughs> physically go around and have a... Socially distant beverage if the need arises, which it arises frequently. Uh, But, you know, I just I just think it's good to share a problem shared is a problem halved. Isn't that what they say? You know, so I think that's just the best. Stay in touch with your friends, rely on your friends and family. and, And, you know, I know it's it's a cliche and it's trite to say it, but we will get through this and there will be another day and things we look back on this period and go, wow, isn't that just crazy? And it was, but there are benefits to it. I'm sure there's people learning new skills. I'm sure we've had more time with the kids. We've had more time with Jennifer's family, strangely, even being socially distant. We've had more time. Jennifer's dad has come over for dinner with us more frequently now in this time. You know, we've been able to, I've been able to focus on friendships that lapsed a little bit. People from Ireland that I hadn't talked to in a long time. We made an effort to get on Zoom we recorded a song that you, I know you played a snippet of it there earlier, James, my band that hadn't done anything in eight years since we called it a day. We got together to write a song virtually. We just, uh, and it, and it was great and it felt good. So I think there are, you know, opportunities within this pandemic and this weird time to, you know, it's hard to say stay positive because I know some of us have an easier ride than others. And not, not a lot has changed for me really. Like I'm still doing the same work and, I'm able to get it done. I have a laptop, I have a phone, and I'm able to do my job. I know it's difficult for others who maybe haven't been able to do that, who have to be there in person to get their job done, and it's been very difficult to balance that. But I think that, you know, you have to stay positive. It is a cliche. You have to try and understand that this too shall pass. And uh, I think the number one thing is humor. Probably the number two thing is prank your family. Just keep pranking them. (laughs) Nice. Anything you can do. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point uh, in the show, we usually do our take five, but this is too good an opportunity to pass up. Uh, So Mm. we're going to do our own version of the not so newlywed game. Uh, We won't have you write down the answers, but you're just going to be on our system that you're going to tell us the truth on it. So uh, first question is going to go to Jennifer. Oh. Jennifer, what is Gavin's favorite song to perform? So I want to say it's like the Bruno Mars one or the Justin Timberlake one. I can't remember the name of the song. That's how bad I am with music. Um, Locked Out of Heaven, I assume you mean? Yeah. Or like no, I, love you. Bruno Mar- I Love You. Bruno Mars, yeah. So I think it's that one. Okay. Gavin? 
it's a tough one. You know, it's, uh, they're all, it's usually the easy ones, but I do, I personally love those songs. So she's probably right. <laughs> Gavin, what is Jennifer's favorite animal? Oh man. Uh, whatever. Uh, she, I, I think Jennifer would, I could quote her on this. She eats animals. <laughs> so uh, cattle probably. <laughs> cattle. We're not big animal people. I yeah. mean, as I mentioned earlier. You could have said like fish, like tuna. Fish. Okay. I don't know. You didn't say cow. <laughs> Sorry. You didn't say pig at least. Yeah. <laughs> well, that leads well into the next question. So Jennifer, what is Gavin's favorite meal? Yeah, well, that's easy. Because he is as Irish as he can be. Uh, meat and potatoes. So I would say his mom's roast with the potatoes that aren't mashed potatoes or just boiled potatoes and the big green beans, the Irish green Pe- beans. Peas. Oh, peas. The big green peas. Yes. <laughs> He's a simple man. I'm not. Jennifer's <laughs> the epicure in our family. She's the foodie. I am not. Uh, as I've said many times, if I didn't need to eat to live, I probably wouldn't. Wow. I've heard I you know. say that before, too. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Everyone goes, oh, my God, you're, how can you live like that? That's just, you're missing out so badly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Gavin, what is Jennifer's favorite movie? Ooh, uh, I'd say it's probably Infinity War. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, uh, probably Thomas Crown Affair, I'd say, with Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo. Hmm. That's right. Jennifer yep. shaking oh. her head. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> Love Rene's fashion. <laughs> uh, so last question for both. Who is the better dancer? Mm. Depends on the audience. <laughs> oh, good answer. Wow. Yeah, I like Gav- it. I don't know. I mean, like at weddings, Gavin is kind of a nightmare. But when he's on stage, he's more of a, a solo performer dancer. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I, you know, not a big dancer in general. J- James is the dancer in our band. Oh, that's my outlet. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, that concludes the Notre Dame development, not so newlywed game. Jennifer, Gavin, thank you both for joining us today. And it's been a pleasure having you. It's hard, it's hard to believe we've been on here for an hour or so, but we've just been oh, chatting sorry. and having a great time. No, this is wonderful. Thanks for joining us. Well, I did, uh, when you scheduled our, our podcast recording for 45 minutes, I had to snicker a little bit going, he doesn't know me as well as he thinks if he's only giving me 45 minutes. <laughs> but uh, thanks for having us. Sorry we took up so much of your time. And uh, oh, thanks, no. for, thanks for doing everything you're doing with this. It's, uh, yeah, the podcast is wonderful. I love him. Great. It's a pleasure. Or up until this one, they've been wonderful. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Well, James, you and your wife both worked at Notre Dame as well, right? That's right. Yeah, gee, uh, Mireya's worked at Notre Dame now for 21, 22 years or so. She now works in the uh, Office of Enrollment or the Enrollment Division, which houses financial aid and the admissions office. And oh. I've been here for seven years now in development. Awesome. Um, so if you guys played the not-so-newlywed game, what would she say your favorite song is? Oh, yeah, it's for years on end, it's been Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. I mean, I just, oh. I grew up with that song and I could just hear it now and I could just groove to it, you know, it's such a good song and Michael Jackson was such a great artist. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but coming in a close second, G, I would have to say it is our closing <laughs> jingle. 
Thanks again, folks, for listening to the Grace of Giving podcast. I'm your host, James Riley. And I'm Grace Krasniewski. And this has been the Grace of Giving podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, stay golden. Chicka-da-ka-da-ka! <laughs>